Thanks for joining the Capital Church podcast channel. For more resources and to learn more about Capital Church, please visit our website at capitalchurch.co or send us an email at info at uh, Hey guys, I'm so glad that uh, you made it today and uh, we're going online and uh, I hope uh, you're, you're excited to listen to what God has for you. Uh, so uh, if you don't judge me with my hat, I'm going to judge you and your PJs. I know some of you maybe have your coffee, you have your family around. Um, we are doing something we've uh, never done before. And so as a church, we're rethinking about how we, how we do church in a different way. And so this is a season, even though it's, it's a very difficult season, this is a season for us to really um, think differently about how we can bring the good news of Jesus to um, uh, obviously our church, but even beyond that. So we're excited over the next few weeks. Just want you to be aware that we're going to be um, unfolding a lot of different things. We're going to put a lot of different content on our uh, social media and uh, Instagram and Facebook. And uh, so I just want you to be aware of that. It's going to be amazing, some of the content that we have. I think we have some Bible devos already out there, and uh, we have some uh, other things uh, that we want to give you. We got some prayer stuff. So uh, please be aware of that as uh, we move into the future. I know there's a lot of things that are up in the air. And uh, right now our, situ- our global situation is unfolding. Um, but we also believe that Jesus is the King of Kings and he is the Lord of Lords. And so um, anyways, I'm glad you're online watching. Uh, we're calling this Fidgetal. Uh, we believe that we're called to embody the love of Jesus, but we also have amazing technology, and uh, we're going to try to express love through digital avenues, and so um, this is the beginning, I believe, of great things, not just for our church, but for the churches in, in this city. So we got some several people that are six feet apart here, and uh, we got Shane Grove, we got Lindsay, we got Trace, and we call her TT, and uh, they're going to be with us here today as we talk just a little bit about um, fear and anxiety. Uh, Last week I talked about fear and anxiety, and I want to talk about how we can defeat uh, all of that in our lives. Before I do that, I think it's important that we understand uh, what the church is. Uh, The church is not just a building. The church is not just uh, a service. The church is not just like something that we do. You and I are the church. And I've been praying about this all week. I've been thinking about this. But I really believe that the church is built and it's designed specifically for crisis. Now, I believe that the church is, um, yes, built for all time and all spaces, all geographical places. Uh, I believe it's built for every century, every millennium, for every age. But I really believe, and I feel like the Holy Spirit told me this, that the church is specifically designed to flourish in crisis. Now remember, you and I were the church. The church is not a hierarchy. The church is not a building. The church is not a service. Uh, the church, Paul tells us in Ephesians 2, is you and I. We're built up as a temple by the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 12, one of my favorite passages, also tells us that we're baptized into Christ and we've been made to drink of the Spirit. We are the body of Christ. Romans 6 tells us the reason why we're the body of Christ is because our Our lives have been bound up in the life of Jesus. And so we are followers of Jesus. 
and we are the church. And if we are the church, then uh, whether you feel like this is true or not, we are called to thrive in difficult times. In fact, I was reading through the, the, the book of Acts this week, and it's just this, this interesting juxtaposition is, it's fascinating to me, um, kind of came to the surface as I was reading it. And uh, what you'll find is that um, there were a lot of persecutions. You read a little bit about Peter, and you read a little bit about Paul, and they experienced persecution, mobs, riots, um, assassination plots, uh, Mediterranean, uh, Mediterranean Northeasters, stonings. Um, some of them were thrown into prison. Uh, there were poisonous vipers. They, uh, Paul specifically was shipwrecked in the book of Acts. You have all these different things, which as you read through the book of Acts, you get a sense that the dark powers of this world, are, they're, they're stinking infuriated. And they want to throw everything they can to stop this movement of Jesus. And you have this, again, this threat of catastrophe. But at the same time, the church doesn't shrink back. The church actually expands. Uh, the church is empowered by the Holy Spirit. The church sees great miracles. Uh, the church demonstrates radical love in ways that would probably shock us. So I, I just thinking about this thought, and I want you just to hear this this morning. I believe that the church has a paradoxical relationship with crisis. Many people want to shrink back. Many people want to be afraid. Many people want to be anxious. The church is called to expand and to be empowered by the Holy Spirit and to believe God for miracles in times of crisis. In fact, if, if you don't believe me, uh, the, I, I just want to say this one thing. Uh, the Roman Empire, I mentioned this a little bit last week, was transformed as Christians went into urban uh, centers like Rome and other ancient cities and they nursed their pagan brothers and sisters who were effect, infected by the plague, and they nursed them back to health. It wasn't, in the words of many sociologists, it wasn't miracles or power or wealth that transformed the Roman Empire. It was self-giving love demonstrated by Christians who sacrificed their, their lives. They gave themselves to um, following the way of Jesus and the Roman Empire was um, changed. In fact, it was Christians who built hospitals. It was Christians who nursed the sick. It was Christians who took care of the poor. It was Christians that believed that children actually mattered. It was Christians who transformed hospitality. It was Christians who loved the stranger. It was Christians who invented technology called the Codex and taught people how to read. Christians, through self-giving love, transformed the Roman Empire. I think this, I don't know if this is a true fact. I think it pretty much is. Um, I, I can't source it right now, but, but I remember that there were ancient cities who had Christians. I've heard this as a study. Uh, there were ancient cities who had Christians in them, and those cities saw their de death rate fall by 50%. So it's incredible uh, the influence that Christians had, even in the time of crisis. So let me just say this before I get to anxiety, address anxiety, and address fear. I believe as followers of Jesus, we've been given a vocation of love, not the vocation of fear. I know there's a lot of people that want to talk about fear. There are a lot of people uh, on social media platforms that want to create hysteria and panic. But we are not, we have not been gifted from God the vocation of fear and anxiety. 
we have been given the vocation of love, which means in particular, uh, as followers of Jesus, we're called to love the world like Jesus loved the world. In fact, this, this entrustment, we'll call it an entrustment or a responsibility, is given by God to his people within creation itself. God did not give the Democrats his vocation of love. He didn't give the Republicans his vocation of love. He didn't give the nearly infinite um, series of special interest groups this vocation of love. He didn't give big pharma or government this vocation of love. He has given exclusive rights to this vocation of love to his people. So we have this awesome responsibility um, to thrive and to flourish in this time of crisis. And we do that by loving the world like Jesus loved the world. First John says this, perfect love casts out all fear. Next week, I'm going to spend just a few minutes talking about um, love and our responsibility to, to love our neighbor and how we express love in a very difficult time. But today, I want to specifically talk about how we can overcome fear, how we can overcome anxiety. The Bible, again, I'm going to say this again, says that God's perfect love casts out all fear. But it's also true that perfect fear can cast out all love. In fact, John tells us, and I think he makes it very explicit, that love and fear are mutually exclusive realities. Like you can be afraid, right? Or you can love. Right? And there's no judgment on anybody. I think we all have been afraid. Like I wish I could see you right now in your house and I wish I could see you raise your hand because I'll raise my hand. There have been times I've been in and out of fear and a little bit afraid. Like what's going on? We've never experienced this before. I think that's okay. But when I talk about fear and overcoming fear and anxiety, I don't think it's okay that we constantly allow fear and anxiety to define us, to shape how we think, to shape how we live. So remember, love and fear are mutually exclusive realities. If we're going to be committed to love, we can't be afraid. If we're going to be committed to fear, there's no way you're going to be able to love. Love, love is self-giving. Fear is self-referential. So the more you're afraid, the more you're anxious, right, the more you're going to be thinking about yourself. And uh, this is something that I've learned um, in my life. So really quick, um, I'm going to try not to touch my face. I keep on touching my face. Um, here's a big question that I want you to uh, think through and I want you to be open to, and it's this. How, okay, so Chris, uh, God's given us the vocation of love and not fear, right? And uh, the church is at its best in a time of crisis. We're built for crisis. We're crisis people, right? Some of you are like thinking right now, <laughs> Chris says, no, you have no stinking idea, like, who I am and what I'm processing. Like, many of us, let's just be honest, many of us this, this week, including myself, we probably catastrophized our life, right? We thought about the worst possible situation, maybe for a second, maybe five seconds, I don't know, but I think we're all kind of in that same boat that we've experienced fear, we've experienced anxiety like we've never experienced before in our lives. Now, if you haven't experienced fear, I, I, you're probably not a human. This is unprecedented what we're going through right now. So many of us, let me just say, many of us have experienced fear. We've experienced anxiety. Maybe some of you are in, in the healthcare industry, and maybe you're a doctor, or maybe a nurse, and man, you're trying to figure out how am I gonna, 
Like, I got a family, and then, but I also want to take care of the sick, but I don't want to get sick. And so you're probably wrestling through a lot of that. At the end of this, this talk here today, we want to pray for you, if that's you. Um, maybe some of you, you're running businesses, and you're, like, you're, you're trying to tell yourself, I don't even know how I'm going to be able to make the end of the month. I don't know how I'm going to, in this climate, I don't know how I'm going to be able to um, survive. Maybe you've already lost your job. I don't know. And you're trying to figure out, okay, what am I going to do with finances? Or maybe you're a little bit, a little bit like me. Uh, you've probably obsessed a little bit about your health and you washed your hands maybe about 80 times, right? And you're just like, oh, God, please, I don't want to get the Rona, right? Or something like that. And I get that. That's, been, that's me. Like, I wish that they could invent a hazmat suit for 330 Americans. Can I get an amen back at home, okay? Um, but we don't have that. So what are we going to do? How, how are we going to... Um, address fear. We're living in a climate of fear and panic and worry. First, this is what I want to, to share with you. Since many of us are confined at home, if you're not at home and you're out and about, can I just say you get to your stinking home, okay? Respect your authorities and stay home, right? Staying home is an act of love. Can I get an amen at home, right? Um, but many of us are confined at our homes. And because of that, I think it's absolutely essential. Please hear me. It's absolutely essential if you have a family or maybe you have roommates, maybe you're even uh, by yourself. It's absolutely essential that we protect our home's environment. We got to keep, in other words, we got to keep fear out, right? How do we do that? How do we, how do we overcome fear? How do we be people of faith? Before I answer that, um, I, I do want to share um, this, this simple thought. Um, I, I'm not a boat guy. Uh, I don't really know much about boat technology. And I've heard a lot of messages about boats, right? I, I don't really understand a lot about the science of buoyancy. However, I do know this. Like, it's just basically I've watched a lot of movies, watched the Titanic, and it's very clear that uh, if weather and water the outside stuff, gets on the inside and gets inside enough, eventually the boat loses buoyancy and will begin to sink. So the question is, how do we, okay, so we gotta, we, we, we gotta, we gotta be aware of what's going on in this world. We gotta be wise about how we live our lives. But how do we, like, keep the outside, um, especially as being confined at home, how do we keep the outside from getting in and shaping the environment. In particular, I'm talking about fear and anxiety, panic, despair, loneliness, depression. How do we do that? Um, I have a few thoughts, and Jesus has a few thoughts. I think his thoughts are a lot better than mine. But in Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 25, I love this passage. I read this a lot. I'm going to read about nine verses, so bear with me. He says this. Many of you are familiar with this passage. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious. Could you, like I love doing this, could you turn to your husband or turn to your wife or turn to your kids and say, do not be anxious. I'm going to wait three seconds. Good job. Jesus says, he gives us a command, do not be anxious. For some of you, that's like saying, hey, um, man, I can't breathe today, right? Some of you, are, your heart is so full of anxiety. For Jesus to say not to be anxious, you're like, man, that's like saying don't breathe. I get that. But just let's, let's go with what Jesus is saying. Jesus commands us not to be anxious. 
And then after he says this command, he builds out like this, this portrait of why we don't have to be anxious. So he says, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body or what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, Jesus tells us. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father, your Father in heaven feeds them. Are you not more, and I want you to hear this, are you not more valuable than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the fiery oven, will he not much more clothe you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your Father in heaven knows that you need them all. So God wants to provide for you. He wants to take care of you. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Last verse, verse 34, and I want a key on this verse Jesus says, therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. So what is, what is Jesus saying here, right? He's, he's talking about anxiety, and he gives us a pathway out of anxiety. He's building a portrait of who his father is. And we'll talk about that over the next several weeks but I want to key on verse 34. Corey Tenboom, I, I mentioned her a lot. She, um, she was interviewed uh, late, later in her life, and she was um, asked about some personal experiences. And uh, she, in a moment of honesty, she kind of gave like a brief exposition of verse 34. And this is what she said to the interviewer. She started talking about a burden. She was overwhelmed by a burden one day. And uh, in her words, she was weighed down and she was really heavy. This is what fear does to you. Fear and anxiety, they weigh you down and they make you heavy. So she was talking about this fear that she was experiencing. And then she said that in a moment of clarity, she looked at what was going on and she recognized that everything, all that heaviness, all that weariness, all that anxiety, it was borrowed. She was borrowing this anxiety. And so she confesses in this interview that she had made a category mistake. I'll explain that. And in her words, I quote her a lot, and this is one of my all-time favorite quotes. She goes, worrying or anxiety is carrying tomorrow's load with today's strength. It's carrying two days at once. It is moving into tomorrow ahead of time. Worry doesn't empty tomorrow of its sorrow. It empties today of its strength. In fact, anxiety, at the heart of it, what Corey Ten Boone, as she gives a little exposition of verse 34, is saying that um, it's a category mistake, right? We're, we're attempting to go in tomorrow. We're attempting to actually get ahead of God, right? We're, we're moving into our future, and we're, as I defined this last week, we're imagining a future world without Jesus, 
You see, anxiety, and please hear me, anxiety and fear, they're kind of the inside and the outside of the same thing. Is imagining, if you're living on Tuesday, I want you to imagine with me. You're living on Tuesday, and your head is in Friday or in Sunday or maybe that following week, and you're imagining what the world is going to look like without the presence of Jesus. That's what anxiety is. Anxiety is imagining that everything's going to fall apart on Tuesday at that meeting, right? Or my health is, this is what's going to happen, right? You're going to go to Starbucks and you're going to get the Rona or something and you imagine something horrible like that. I I say that because that happened to me this week, right? So we all experience anxiety, but anxiety, you have to understand, is a what if. It creates a scenario and you move ahead in time and you try to carry a couple days at once. In fact, anxiety is all about control. It's all about trying to control your outcomes. And Jesus said, hey, let tomorrow, let tomorrow worry about itself, right? Today is sufficient for its own trouble. And so what Jesus is saying is um, you got to take every thought captive. You got to make sure that you're not thinking about Friday or Saturday if you're living on Tuesday. You got to focus on Tuesday and be okay with whatever happens in the future. How can I do that, Chris? Some of you are like, Asking yourself, how can I um, let go, right? How do I, because remember, anxiety is about control. Like when you're anxious and you're afraid, you're, man, you're trying to control outcomes. And what Jesus is saying in verse 34, let tomorrow worry about itself, it's pretty simple. Guys, I'm in control. My father is in control you're not, you're not, and what Jesus is, is suggesting is radical trust. He's saying you just gotta, you gotta trust me. You gotta trust the future. Uh, you gotta trust what's going on. Um, you gotta trust that I'm gonna provide. Uh, you can't worry about the future. You can't try to control it. You just gotta, you gotta let go, and you gotta focus all of your strength on what's happening in the present moment. And Dillard said this, we forget ourselves. Uh, we forget that we're creatures. We forget we're clumsy amateurs. Like, I'm 40, right? Some of you are 50, 60 years old. Maybe some of you are 70, 80. Some of us are 20, right? Many times we just forget ourselves. We are not 10,000 years old. We do not possess time-worn wisdom. We are not in charge. We are not in control. And I think this pandemic and this global situation that we find ourselves in is teaching us radical humility, right? That we have to let go and that we have to put our trust uh, in Jesus. So how do we put our trust in Jesus? Well, you gotta put your trust in Jesus for absolutely everything. When Jesus arrived, we find this throughout um, every um, gospel, all four gospels, when Jesus arrived, he announced the kingdom of God. And he said this, you must believe and you must repent. Essentially, that means that you have to change repent. It means you have to change how you see the world first. You fundamentally have to rethink yourself. You fundamentally have to change how you see relationships with each other. And then two, trust 
is learning to structure your entire life around how Jesus sees reality. That's what trust is. When Jesus said, hey, I want you to believe and repent, he's not saying, I want you to get religion, right? I want you to come to the front of the church, and I want you to tell everybody you got to give up smoking, like, cigarettes, and you got to get rid of tobacco or whatever, and you got to do this and this and this. Certainly, repentance can involve that, but repentance fundamentally is changing how you see the world. But believe, people get weird about belief. We think belief is like, um, man, it's like uh, an abstract thing that we got to get all of our doctrinal um, T's crossed, and we got to figure out the Bible before we believe. That's not what Jesus is, is suggesting. Jesus is, in fact, saying, I just want you to trust me. Trust how I see reality. Trust how I see sickness. Trust how I see death. Trust how I see love. Trust how I see all things. Um, you might be asking, okay, so why does Jesus want me to trust? Well, here's the thing. You and I, we all trust in something, right? If, if you're human, right, you cannot not trust. Like everyone, everyone, like there are people out there right now, they're, they're like saying, I don't believe in anything. Wow, well, no, 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 no. Everyone on this planet, if you're not an automaton, but you're a human, we all believe in something. So you can believe in, in the government, right? You can believe and put your trust in money. Uh, you can trust in yourself, your feelings. You can trust in your atheism. You can trust in Sean Hannity, Nancy Pelosi, Starbucks. You can trust in whatever you want. But as Jesus followers, we're called to put our trust in him. Because trust is ultimately about, okay, who are you going to let tell you what to do? In other words, trust is about authority. So I'm going to ask this question, and I think in this, this global situation, it is exposing maybe the superficiality of our faith. Because I think in so many ways, we put our trust in government, we put our trust, I'm not trying to be political, but we put our trust in money, we put our trust in success, we put our trust in ourselves, or science, or technology, or medicine. And those are good things, but ultimately, what Jesus is saying is, I want you to trust how I see all things, and then I want you to structure your entire life around how I see all things. So hey, you can trust laissez-faire economics, right, in the 20th century, or you can trust, just a thought, Jesus who healed the sick, Jesus who spoke to the storms, and the storms listened to Jesus. You could trust Jesus who took five loaves and two fish, right, transformed it, and fed 10,000 people. You could trust Jesus who talked about loving your neighbor and even loving your uh, enemy Jesus, who went all the way to the cross and died for us and then came back from the dead. And then he made breakfast for his disciples, little fish and chips, right? In this post-resurrection world. And then he ascended into heaven. Remember, heaven and earth, they overlap with each other. Heaven is not some distant location. Heaven is overlapping with our reality in ways that we can't even see. Heaven is God's control room. So when Jesus went into heaven, he is now in charge of every single thing. So you can trust in government or in a certain person, but I don't know. I, I, I think put, putting my trust in Jesus is the right thing to do.
So Jesus says the way we overcome anxiety is we have to, this is going to be radical for some of us, we have to put our trust in him in ways we've never done before. And I believe we're in a season as the body of Christ, if we want to flourish, and we will, if we want in this time of crisis, if we want to thrive, we have to be committed, 100% committed to trusting Jesus for all things. So how do we do this? How do we, how do we trust Jesus for all things? I want to give you a few practices, and then uh, we'll be done here really quick. Um, the first practice that I want to share with you, I actually have about eight. Next week, I'll give you four. Today, I'll give you about three. Um, this first practice has shaped my life, and especially as I talked about it last week, how we've um, been forced into this global Sabbath. As we're confined to our homes, um, as we do our very best to resist fear and anxiety, from getting into our environment in our home, this is what we can do. And this one practice has changed my life. And wait for it, it's gonna be profound. I think this will change your life if you do it. And it's the first thing, it's really simple. Just read your Bible. Read chunks of it. I, I feel in, empowered in an unapologetic way to challenge everybody in our church that I don't think we read God's word enough. Let's be creative. Like some of you, you've always wanted to read the book of Romans in one setting and you've never been able to because you've been so stinking busy. I think we're now in a time because of this forced Sabbath to spend time in Romans and read it. Maybe some of you have always wanted to read through the New Testament. You've never had time. Here's the good news busyness and not having enough time is no longer an excuse, right? So I want you to get creative. I want you to take passages in Scripture, maybe memorize Scripture, read Scripture, uh, immerse yourself in uh, the story world of Jesus, the prophets, and allow the Holy Spirit to begin to speak to you. I said this last week, but faith comes by hearing, and hearing comes from God's Word, Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from his mouth. Jesus defeated the Satan not by his feels. Jesus defeated Satan not by saying that I'm the son of God, get away, devil, right? Jesus defeated the Satan by um, quoting scripture. It was scripture. Jesus was a scriptured person, and he used scripture to defeat the temptation of Hasatan. Jesus also told his disciples, if you abide in my words, you will know the truth, and it's the truth that will set you free. I love that. Psalm 119, if you're taking notes at, at home, you can certainly write this down. I, I love the poet. He says this, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And you'll find as you read scripture, scripture reading is not like a blazing sun experience. Scripture reading is like a lamp. God will give you exactly what you need when you read the word of God for that day. Many of us want to see 10 years down the road. We want the blazing sun, epiphany, revelation from God. Well, Psalm 119 tells us, hey, just be okay. God will speak to you. He'll give you a little bit of nuggets. He'll speak to you. He'll give you some insight and trust that insight. Believe. Some of you don't believe that the Holy Spirit can speak to you. 
And I believe, and many of you believe that because you believe that you have to have this incredible metaphysical experience with God. And man, I think more often than not, the Holy Spirit is talking to us all the time and he speaks to us in a still small way. And if we're sensitive to it, we can listen to the Holy Spirit. That's important. God's word is a lamp. It's not a blazing sun. It's a lamp. It's a light, and it sheds light and insight as we walk through, negotiate the darkness of our day. Um, Paul makes it very clear that God's word is the inspired word of God. Inspiration, this is a big concept. To be inspired is to have breath come into you. God's word, and this is what Paul is saying, is God's breath. So you, when, when you read God's word, there's breath on every syllable, the syntax, the stories, the genre of scripture. There's breath that is woven to the fabric of all of scripture. In fact, we find in Genesis chapter 2 that God breathed, ruach is the Hebrew word, breathed into his people, breathed into Adam and Eve and they became living beings. You see, we can't live without God's word. And when we immerse ourselves in God's word, we then have the ability and the resources to overcome fear. Uh, Two, I think when we're at home, hey, I think binging some shows is great. Make sure they're good shows. Um, I think it's okay to watch news. Yeah, I think it's okay to be on social media and, you know, try to figure things out. But I do think we got to be selective. So one, here's a good practice. Remember, read your Bible. But number two, I think we got to be selective with what we um, allow into our minds. Uh, we got to, in other words, we got to narrow the flow of information. The flow of information is absolutely crucial. And I think we really got to be selective with who we listen to. Um, I remember a couple days ago, I was, I spent too much time, I'm not going to even tell you, too much time, I rarely do this, scrolling through Twitter. And by the end of the day, I mean, I didn't do this all day, but at the end of the day, I was feeling defeated, I was feeling overwhelmed, and I'm like, oh man, why, why do I feel this way? And just kind of thinking through it, I'm like, oh my gosh, it was because I was just going through posts and listening to people, and it just started feeling this overwhelming sense of hopelessness. I think it's important that we listen to to trusted sources. I think it's important that we do listen to what's happening out in our world. But I want you to narrow the focus. Don't immerse everything in culture. Don't glut all the information. Um, Be selective with uh, your sources. How how do you know a good source between a bad source? If it's okay that I talk like this, this is really practical. If someone is freaking out and they have no solution and no hope, I don't unfollow people because I think that's weird, right? I think it's a little bit rude. Maybe some of you do because you just don't like their whatever. You're just like, ah, like unfollow them. That's okay. But I think in this day and age, I think we might need to unfollow people. If you're following someone that's, maybe they got some good facts, but they're not giving you any hope and no solution and no Jesus and the future's bleak, maybe you should unfollow them. I think we need to have facts but I think we need to have facts that are tethered to hope. We need to be people of hope. And finally, the last thing is, um, and this is really important. Uh, let me just remind you, number one, we got to read scripture, read chunks of it. Give yourself the scripture like you've never done before. Memorize it, study it. Uh, two, be selective with the information that you allow into your home. And then finally, 
Um, be normal. Just be normal. If you have kids, I got, I'm running to daycare, people. I got seven beautiful stinkers that live in my home. Guys, I'm exhausted. I see you pray for me. Um, but I realized that, man, if I'm going to be a good dad and I'm going to keep the outside from getting on the inside of my home, that uh, my kids needed me to be normal. Got to be normal. So we, my wife and I, we just made a decision. We pray every day. We're always talking to the kids. We're honest in conversation. We're always infusing them with faith. Um, we're always reading Bible stories. That's really important. But be normal. And by be normal, have fun at home, right? Map out your home and do creative things in different rooms, right? We play Monopoly. My kids love it, right? They're cheaters. My wife's a cheater. But uh, that's something that we really had a good time. Maybe, obviously, thank God we can still go out of our homes. Go for a walk with your family. Do creative things. Do family nights. Just be normal. Maybe you don't have a family. Maybe you just have roommates. That's great. Um, be normal with your roommates. If you're just by yourself, um, I don't know what to say. I'm kidding. If you're by yourself, call someone. Um, in, uh, Instagram someone. Get online with someone. Uh, it's important that uh, we try to be as normal in this world that is filled with, with panic. I want to end with one last thing. Hope, hopefully this um, blessed you, uh, but I want to end with this thought. We've been hearing, I've been hearing in the news that, man, everything that we're experiencing is unprecedented. That's why I use it everybody too. Like, man, this is unprecedented, right? Everything is novel. I get it. Uh, I can't, it's surreal to me that we canceled March Madness. Uh, I can't believe the NBA was postponed, right? Sports culture, I mean, it's like, when is it going to come back, right? It's over for the time being. And in this unprecedented moment, um, and people have been saying a lot, I want you to think about um, what God can do, not just this virus and how it can shut our lives down, but I want you to think about the possibility of God doing something unprecedented. Like we're talking about the virus, right? We're talking about how it's literally changed how we live and even for some people how we see the world and we say that's unprecedented. Well, why can't we believe that in this climate we can believe that God can do unprecedented things? In the words of one pastor, he said this, there's never been a fast-growing revival in a post-Christian secular society. But every great new thing is unprecedented until it happens. There was never, never a renewal movement of monasticism until there was. There was never a reformation until there was. There never was anything like a great awakening until there was. There never was anything like we experienced with this virus in our lifetime until there was was. Why can't we believe for another move of God that would transform not just our nation, but the entire world? Some of you are like saying, wow, that can't happen. Well, that's what unprecedented means. I think if we can turn our perspective about how this virus has done things in an unprecedented way and then apply that to how God can do unprecedented things, I think it can change how we see the world.
So let's, let's be believers. And I want to pray for you now in this moment. If you're at home and you're feeling anxious, if, if you're feeling uh, fear, I'm just going to pray for you right now that God would set you free. Uh, maybe you're struggling with, man, I don't know how I'm going to make it, Chris, like financially. Like, I've already lost my job. Like, I don't know how I'm going to be able to pay rent, pay my mortgage. I'm going to pray for you right now. Maybe some of you are at home, you're, you're really struggling with your health. And you're like, oh, God, I just, I, I'm concerned. Maybe you're part of that vulnerable population. And you're not sure how, you, man, how you're going to be able to get through this, this season. Uh, I'm going to pray the Holy Spirit right now would come to you and that uh, he will set you free from fear. So if you could just close your eyes and um, bow your heads. Father, I just thank you for everyone at home right now listening. I thank you, Jesus, that you've given us, it's, it's a command, but it's also a promise that we don't have to be afraid of anything. I just thank you that, Jesus, you're in charge of, of the cosmos you're in charge of supernovas. You're in charge of human history. You even oversee this virus. And I just thank you right now, you would go to every heart that is struggling with fear and anxiety and you would bring assurance to them. You would bring comfort. Lord, that you would cast out fear as you perfect every person in your love. Lord, we thank you that you're a good father. And I thank you, anyone right now that's struggling with, I don't know how I'm going to make it to the end of the month. I need provision. I need provision. I just, I just can't figure it out. I thank you, Jesus, right now. You would bring your peace that surpasses all understanding, and you would give it to your sons and daughters. Anyone struggling, maybe they're in the healthcare industry, and they're in the front lines, and they're caring for the sick, and they're worried about maybe their health or whatever. Lord, I pray that you would give them strength and that you would be with them and you would fill their hearts with your faith. Lord, anyone else that's just struggling with fear and anxiety, we cast it out in Jesus' name. We thank you for perfecting us in your love. And I thank you that you're opening our hearts, you're opening our minds to grow deeper into trust. Lord, we, we just say, God, our faith has been superficial, and we want to grow in trust and in faith in you, in Jesus' name. We love you. In your name we pray. Amen. God bless you. We love you so much. I can't wait to see you next week. Uh, we're going to believe that God is going to do miracles this week in our life. We'll see you soon.